Hello and welcome to another episode of the B Team podcast. The best part of life is football and the best part of football is FPL. In this pod, we talk our hearts out about the latter and a bit about the former. Hi, I am Pratish. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Siddharth. And today what we have in store for you ladies and gents besides the game week review that went by um a special segment that we call hop on and hop off where we talk about players to move on from and players to bring in and then the much coveted transfer news that we've just received of ronaldo transferring to manchester united we talk about we talk about the impact that he's going to have on fpl so yeah let's get started how was your game week pritish um it was okay i mean nothing great i got one more red arrow um i right now i'm sitting at around 420k which is fairly decent after the first three game weeks and uh, i got 60 points uh captain son returned with a very 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 dodgy free kick goal um and I, thanks to backman uh, no thanks to son for that goal uh, so son saved the day for me uh, not having antonio bit me third time in a row so i am very clear about getting him in moving out ings and bringing in antonio for the next game week uh, what about you how was your game week um it was fairly satisfactory i honestly expected a lot more because i got in rafinha in my squad i also thought i made a good decision by letting jota go and i brought in the ever reliable ben rama i say ever reliable because whatever data we've had this game week he's been pretty on point right with the way he's assisting and scoring um so yeah and he he gave me glimpses of his form from the championship so i was very excited but i think it was a little underwhelming i just got 61 points uh, very similar to yours and i am also reeling with a red arrow and i'm around 620k at the moment so yeah overall i thought i could do better but i'm not going to complain yeah i think anywhere between um, first to 1 million right now after three game weeks in fact i would say even after six to seven game weeks is fine um, as long as you are consolidating all your players you're figuring out the template you're figuring out patterns i think it takes that much time so yeah i think that's a decent place to be in right now yep i agree with you slow and steady wins the race right all right let's get into it then Let's start with the game week review. Why don't you hit it off with Manchester City versus Arsenal? Manchester City Arsenal 5-0. The sky was blue <laughs> and Arsenal was red with tears of blood. I mean, the loss can be brought down to two very tiny things missing from the Arsenal team, a robust midfield and a motivated defense. Besides that, they had everything. And uh, I think if I get down to the players Torres seems to be the find of the season a 7.1 out of position striker in a team which is which creates I mean one of the highest chances in front of goal in the Premier League and uh, what was really uh, interesting to see was the amount Pep was repping him after the game and uh, at least I have noticed this pattern that whenever Pep starts repping a player they usually end up having a secured place in an otherwise very insecure starting 11 of Manchester City last time i saw him do that for bernardo silva uh, three seasons back that was the season when they went on to win the 
Premier League without KDB and uh, Bernardo Silva was almost like a set player in the starting level. So, I mean, I'm guessing that even Torres will be able to uh, fix his position. And of course, given the fact that they have not brought in a striker, uh, very high chances of that. However, I think um, it's a little bit of a risk because KDB might be back. He might start using KDB as a false name. Those are possibilities going forward. But I think that if you have a decent bench, then Torres is a player you should be bringing in if you can. Moving on, Laporte looked very dangerous. Um, he's always been a threat aerially, but now he seems to be taking quite a few shots with his feet. And if he nails his spot, I have a feeling that he might outscore Diaz moving forward if he gets equivalent minutes. Well, it's good that you brought up uh, Laporte. My only grief with Laporte is, and actually, again, it's it's something that I've only been reading that Pep doesn't see him as his first choice uh, centre-back partner for Diaz. I have a strong feeling that, you know, he is uh, not nailed on. Uh, I say that because a lot of rumours always circle around Laporte that, you know, he is expendable and he might get sold and moved on, right? So, uh, again, uh, reports also have it that in their pursuit of Harry Kane, they did offer Emmerich Laporte as a make weight. So, yeah, that's my only take on that. Yeah, so let's see. I mean, I think uh, we'll be in a better position to take a call once Stones is back to fitness. I think that that's when everything will become clear about Laporte's uh, position in the defensive hierarchy. Uh, next up, I think uh, Grealish was again interesting to watch and he might be a solid value for money pick this season. He seems to be doing all the right things and he has returned twice in three games and for now he seems to be fairly nailed in that free eight role on the left hand side and uh, I think if you do not want the headache of uh, guessing who, who Pep is going to start at point nine. Grealish might give you a little bit more peace than Torres. Um, another player who I think might get very interesting moving forward, might be interesting moving forward, is Jesus. Um, I mean, he's been Jesus has been thriving in the right wing role, uh, which means that Mares is, I mean, he's no longer a viable option. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, this also makes Jesus a reverse out of position player. And for the benefit of our listeners who are new to FPL, uh, let me just explain what out of position and reverse out of position means. So if a defender plays as a midfielder, for example, Dallas last season, he gets more chances to score goals and gets the additional one point which a defender gets for scoring goals. Similarly, if a midfielder starts playing in a striker role, like say Torres, then each time he scores a goal, he will get five points for a goal instead of four points, which a typical striker would get. A reverse OOP is just the other way around. So, Jesus is a striker, but he is playing on the wing, which is typically a midfielder classification. So, while he is playing in a midfielder classified spot, the, when he scores a goal, he won't get that five point. He will get four points for the goal uh, that he scores. And... Uh, that's just one thing I thought I'll uh, put it out there for the newer players of FPL. And But yeah, having said that, I think um, 
Jesus, if he nails the spot, he will justify his price tag. And uh, we've had, I mean, there have been great uh, players who have played a reverse out of position. Aubameyang is one who comes to mind. Uh, as long as they keep giving points, as long as they keep giving assists, they are viable. And uh, Jesus might be able to do the same. It's interesting that you brought uh, Aubameyang into the equation because I have this feeling that he hasn't done really well as a reverse out of position because since they've moved him out left, I just have this feeling he doesn't assist as much and his scoring has also reduced. So yeah, maybe not the best example. If I look into uh, just on that point where I was coming from is that if you look at Aubameyang's uh, stint under Emery also, mostly he's played on the left-hand side. And he had back-to-back two seasons with 20-plus goals, with maybe three or four starts as a striker. Now, any player, whether midfielder or a striker, playing as a, a like playing to their potential of giving 20 goals per season, I think that's a solid performance. So maybe not those many assists, uh, but he did get 20-plus uh, goals playing as a reverse um, out-of-position player. And another factor which needs to be keyed in, which goes uh, a little unnoticed, is that when a striker scores a goal, they get more uh, base bonus points. So their chances of getting a three bonus point or a two bonus point is far higher than when a midfielder scores a goal. So these are little things within the game which do make a difference over a period of 38 game weeks. But then, yeah, I mean, these are all hypothetical uh, premises, assuming that. Jesus is going to nail that right-wing spot. And yeah, having spoken ample about City, I and I mean, there's been a lot of <clears throat> a lot of jokes are going around about Arsenal and their performance and uh, a lot of memes being circulated. Uh, I just feel that Arsenal is going to bounce back uh, defensively much sooner and eventually an attack too. But defensively, defensively, for sure, they're going to bounce back and pretty soon. Uh, they have an extremely good run of uh, games moving forward. And uh, Arteta has a history of keeping a chain of clean sheets when he's up against the bottom half of the table teams. So, I mean, for anyone who has gone on to sell White after starting with Ben White in the beginning of the season, uh, I don't think they made the right uh, decision and they might repent it four or five game weeks down. Uh, so let's see. And I mean, I've not given up hope on Arsenal completely. Aston Villa, Brentford, um, the good news about that game was what we were all waiting for. All our stony owners, we were waiting for him to get on the score sheet, right? And he did. And I think he took his chance really well, unmarked in the box the way he was, smashing goal. I'm glad he's off the mark, and I feel that uh, you know he's really going to you know pick up pace from now on, and uh, I think he's going to do really well. So yeah, that was that was a good uh, sight for all Ivan Tony owners. Besides that, there was not much to write home about. As I said earlier in the sport, that um, I had Buendia, and I wish I had stuck uh, to my plans of keeping him for the first three game weeks. Uh, that came and you know bit me a little bit. And, you know, it does sting when you see uh, when they are scoring 10 points and the player I got him in, uh, the player I got in, in instead of him, Rafinha, just, you know, blanking in game week three. So, yeah, uh, great goal. The way he took it was fantastic. And even Ings got into uh, the groove and then he also 
assisted that goal. So I really wish I was a little more patient. So yeah, that's a big and a big prime example that you know uh, you have to be patient with your assets. If you have a three to four game week uh, plan, I would say stick to it because uh, more often than not, what will happen is uh, you know whenever just about when you want to take them off, they come in and give you a two point like a, a double hole. Same. I mean, in hindsight of one game, it's very easy to uh, believe that you made a wrong call by shipping out Go India. But then, uh, if you look at the current uh, state of affairs, Go India is not going to start the next game. So he would have pushed you into a transfer quite early on because you would have had the fear of a Go India possibly falling in price. And B, whoever you were planning to bring in lieu of Guendia, that person going up. Secondly, I think, uh, if I remember right, you brought in Rafinha. Uh, so, yeah, actually that annuls the second point completely. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, even in defense of Rafinha, after the Liverpool match, which he might miss, might miss, there is not 100% confirmation on that. He might miss that. Uh, but, if he starts that, he will get some points at least. And uh, starting from game week five, Leeds has a very good run of games. And I mean, you won't have to worry about anything. So I think I think it's okay. I mean, it's just one game and it's fine. I mean, I think you will, over the course of the next four or five game weeks, uh, your decision will turn out to be fairly good. Well, that's great. And that gives me a lot of hope and, you know, uh, on to better things, I guess. So, let's speak about the next game. What do you think? Brighton versus Everton. So, I mean, the Toffees put a serious dent in the narrative of the improved defence of Brighton. Uh, Brighton was at home. Uh, Still, they conceded two goals. And one thing which is very good for Calvert-Lewin owners, I would say, is that it's fairly clear, 100% clear that he is on penalties. Richarlison drew the foul, uh, which led to the penalty. And he almost threw a tantrum to take the penalty. But uh, eventually, I mean, Calvert-Lewin is the one who took the penalty. And there was this very funny moment where Richarlison had the ball tucked in under his arms and Townsend pushed the ball out of it. And then DCL, Calvert-Lewin just grabbed it from behind and then placed it on the penalty spot. So, at least that's one good thing for existing owners. My only uh, concern with DCL moving forward is that uh, he has a toe injury, which he's been carrying for a while. Uh, Reports say that he's been taking injections to uh, manage the pain and play games with that injury. Plus, uh, he's also got some high injury which he contracted in the last game. So, if you don't have DCL, if you don't have Calvert-Lewin, I would say wait till the press conference, wait till Rafinha gives a clear sign about his uh, fitness before you bring him in. And of course, Rafinha has also brought in Rondon. So, he has an alternate striker to play. I'm glad you spoke about uh, Rondon, very decent price and uh, he could probably, uh, you know, play there and Rafa has a very good bond with uh, Rondon. He played very well under Rafa Benitez for Newcastle. Um, I'm glad you brought that up but the one thing about that whole melee when they 
got that uh, penalty awarded to them is uh, I honestly never thought Calvert-Lewin was going to be someone who'd wrestle the ball off Richarlison because Richarlison is this fiery character, right? So I almost gave up hopes that he's not going to, you know, let Dominic Calvert-Lewin take that penalty. But uh, yeah, it was a surprise and uh, rightly so. I mean, if that's what uh, Rafa Benitez, the gaffer, has decided uh, pre-match that uh, Calvert-Lewin should be on pens, then yeah, that's that's uh, a very good sign moving forward. If Calvert-Lewin's on pens, it, it makes him a very interesting asset to have. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've we've spoken about this offline also. I mean, it just makes sense to uh, let the striker, if you have an out-and-out number nine striker, let the striker take the pens. I think that just makes sense. Uh, moving on, uh, Veltman, after two game weeks of uh, COVID, he started this match. He came off the bench and he made an immediate impact, but in favour of Everton. He is the guy who made the tackle which led to the penalty. And uh, yeah, just, just one correction. Uh, the penalty wasn't drawn by Richarlison. It was drawn by Coleman. So, I mean, that's that says even more about Richarlison's need to take a penalty without really having any right over it. I just remembered it was Coleman who drew the penalty and not Richarlison. Um, and Coleman was playing fairly advanced uh, through the game. Like he was in the box much more than Dinier and he was cutting the ball back and trying to reach DCL. Uh, he missed it a couple of times, but he was far more advanced than Dinier in that particular game. Maybe it, it was... Um, a specific strategy which was used in that game because if you uh, go back and watch the game, most of the attack was happening from the right-hand side. So, that was something which I noticed in the game. However, though the game was happening from the right-hand side, uh, Gray managed to score one more goal. Uh, his, he's still being able to continue his form and he is giving returns. Um, and the way he carried the ball almost from the midline of the pitch right up to the goal and he scored it all by himself. I mean, that says a lot about his confidence right now. And I think uh, Gray can be a great enabler for people who want a decent midfield starter who has the potential to return, but they want to use their funds elsewhere. So I think Gray is a great enabler in that way. Um, Sanchez was by and large decent. He had a few... Uh, really good uh, shots, which he stopped. So he was fairly good. He was decent. Uh, but uh, there was also this one time when he tried to pass to uh, the defender on the left and he ended up passing the ball short and Townsend was able to intercept. And uh, he, Townsend sent the ball to Dukure and Gray was empty, but Dukure didn't pass to Gray. Instead, he took the shot. If he had passed to Gray, then that error from Sanchez would have led to one more goal and one more return from Gray. Uh, and I, I think uh, of all the things I noticed from an FPL point of view, if we uh, look at it, I think Duffy's days might be numbered. So the goal which Gray scored, uh, I think Duffy should have done a better job in supporting Webster. Uh, Webster was tracking Gray throughout uh, from the half line till the point he scored the goal. And uh, uh, 
Duffy was basically tracking Richarlison and he was cutting the line of the pass to Richarlison. But there came a point where Gray was advanced enough. Webster's natural position was cutting that pass. And there is this fraction of doubt which Duffy has, which you can see if you go back and watch the highlights. He has this fraction of doubt of whether he should move forward or not. And, you know, it's that's all it takes for Gray to have that one chance to slot the ball at the back of the net. So I think Duffy's days might get numbered, uh, might be numbered. And uh, Dunk might come back to his original centre of the defensive line where he belongs. You're talking about uh, Duffy's days being numbered. I'm also in my head uh, thinking that Demari Gray's days might also be numbered, right? I mean, maybe not exactly day numbered, but then uh, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get as a starter because if Salomon Rondon has come in and Rafa does persist with two strikers up top, don't you think Richarlison might move on to left wing and take Demari Gray's spot? That's something also that you should, you know, keep at the back of your head and uh, just give a little bit thought to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And if that happens, then Rondon is straight in my If if Benitez decides to start with two strikers up top, then, I mean, Rondon is going to be uh, like a brilliant source of cheap points in FPL. And yeah, I agree. Richarlison will go to the left and Gray will be out of the team sheet. However, given the way he's been performing, I think it will take a while. All right then, moving on to Newcastle versus Southampton. Um, That was a four-goal thriller at Tyneside. Home game for Newcastle. Fairly interesting game, that one. Uh, Newcastle has been very leaky in defence. Um, but as you know, everybody saw in that match, Saint Maximan is the menace that will not go away. Right? He's always there. He's very robust when he attacks. He's a very beautiful player to watch. And you know, uh, just that you you need a character like that in your team, wherein he'll come in and score you that last gasp what he thought would have been a winner and then just cartwheel and run into the crowd. Absolute scenes. That made me very happy because I have a very soft corner for Newcastle right from when Alan Shearer, uh, you know, wore that shirt. So, yeah, uh, that was a very good performance, I thought, from St. Maximum. Uh, And, yeah, you can't talk about him and just completely ignore Callum Wilson. He's that talisman and he's at the end of everything that is to do with Newcastle attacks. And I thought he took his header very well. Right place, right time, great movement. Callum Vincent is, you know, just giving his owners points after points. And he's something that you should, someone you, could, you should definitely keep an eye on. If he stays fit, I can easily see him scoring 18 to 20 goals this season. So, yeah, the, all in all, a very good two-all two, uh, two draw that we witnessed between the two teams. Um, Southampton, I think, got a little lucky towards the end because that obviously it was a penalty. I'm not going to deny that. But um, I don't think they did much besides uh, Mohamed Elanusi's goal, which also was a very freak goal if you saw it. It hit his head and then, you know, went back in to the back of the net. Um, I don't think they created much. I don't think they did much for my liking. Uh, the only Southampton asset that I'm really looking forward to uh, and already own is Livramento. 
I just think that at 4.0, you have a short, short starter who at some point will start giving returns, either as clean sheets, which is highly unlikely at this point. But I also see him giving attacking returns because he is that kind of player. He's uh, from the Chelsea Academy at Cobham. Uh, I've seen him, I've watched him play many games for the Academy and I think he is a threat. And as and when he goes along playing more games, having more experience under his belt, I think he will come good as an attacking uh, threat as well. So yeah, all in all, a very good watch. Uh, four goals. Who wouldn't enjoy that, right? It was a good game. And um, yeah, that's all about it. That's what I thought of the game. Yeah. Uh, then the Norwich-Leicester uh, game, I think that no canary can fly without one wing. And uh, the left wing of the canaries is damaged. It's been a consistent thing since they started uh, this season. The left flank is extremely, extremely uh, vulnerable. And once again, we saw two goals. One which was scored from the uh, left flank, which was by Albrighton. And this, uh, the first goal, which was built from the left flank by a pass from Pereira. And in both the goals, if you look at it, and even if you go back and you look at the kind of uh, spaces they give, to uh, right-sided uh, attackers, it's it's just I mean it's it's beyond belief. They don't even try to close down, and there are so many errors which they make. <coughs> Excuse me. There are so many errors which they make on that side. It's just surprising to see, and uh, I think I, I'm not sure how are they going to fix it. So any team up against Norwich, if you want to attack Norwich, look for a right-sided. A right-handed, uh, right-side attacker, uh, and go for that person. So, Pepe, if you have the courage to get a Arsenal attacker right now, or else maybe Sar moving forward two game weeks later. These are the kind of players that you you can possibly uh, bring in just to attack the Norwich uh, left-side defensive plan. Uh, Leicester was also fairly poor defensively and uh, honestly if this is how they play against city in their next game they will be destroyed if that's the kind of defense which they're going to have and uh, i mean i think but you must also understand they don't have a lot of their center backs ready right i mean westergaard hasn't featured evans i think is still out so uh, they will take some time to get the defense sorted i feel so so something which uh, ratish mentioned yesterday on the Mad Linesman pod was quite, uh, I mean, I think it was quite insightful. Uh, that Brendan, I think Ratish or Mirit, that Brendan Rogers almost was clear about his strategy of starting with a back three formation moving into this season. And Fofana's season-long injury has just, just put a big, big uh, bent into his plans. And I think he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do next. So I think that plan has still not been cracked. Uh, so let's see what happens there. I'm actually quite surprised uh, the way uh, Norwich came into the squad, into this season. Um, Norwich, I had a lot of uh, hopes from this season because they've tasted Premier League and they've you know gotten relegated and come back right up, uh, winning the championship uh, last year. So I, I had a lot of hope. Daniel Farke is a very good manager, and I, I really thought you know, not that he's got his second chance in the Premier League, there will be a better outing for them. So, very disappointed on that front. I think they I think they have 11 good games uh, starting from game week 5. 
so he might he might be able to uh, do something good with that and uh, talking about the good run of games which they have i think puki uh, could be a decent player to have if you are looking for a cheap starting striker who is nailed uh, going forward in their team then puki might be a good call he is down to 5.9 and i think uh, in the easy run of games he's going to get 80 to 90% of his goals coming forward because uh, so if he if you look at him as a 11 or 12 uh, or 10 goal uh, striker then at least eight goals might come in the le- next 11 games that's my understanding so let's see what happens so he could also be an enabler if somebody wants a starting striker going forward so are you trying to tell me that we need to jump onto the pookie party this season no not at all not at all i'm just saying that if there are <laughs> if, if there is someone there is an option if there is someone on a wild card there might be hope of some party yeah if there is pookie, if right? there is somebody on a wild card and you know we've all been there that when you, you when you're making your wild card team you might fall short of point 1 and uh, so so instead of having an adam armstrong maybe a pookie can let you have that little bit extra point one dennis is also an option from watford uh, but uh, i mean i'm not sure how many matches is he going to start as opposed to pookie pookie is fairly nailed in the norwich team great 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 so moving on uh, let's talk about west ham united versus crystal palace another 2-2 London derby that ended up as a draw. Uh, fantastic game to cover, actually. You know, um, again, I, I keep alluding to the fact that I wasn't the biggest fan of Mikel Antonio, and the one thing that is inevitable in this game, I thought, was Jamie Wardy scoring. And I think there's another thing that's inevitable that is Mikel Antonio. And I, I honestly don't know if he started four games on the trot. So that's the one thing that is a constant. like a buzz in my head that you know i'm i'm always twitchy when i am when i see him play because i just feel like you know he has that he's made of glass he gets injured so often that you know i i just feel like you know will he sustain his fitness and will he keep scoring the way he is because as a goal scorer as a goal scorer there's no doubt he's fantastic but um as a footballer i don't know how many games he's going to get how many minutes he's going to get keeping in mind west ham have a uh, european competition to look forward to so yeah that's my only concern otherwise antonio is a brilliant brilliant striker to have and you know i'm i'm glad that i went with him um besides antonio i honestly thought ponas played very really well your regular you know game for ben rama where he was creating a lot and he was the one who started that attack went with that beautiful through ball that antonio ran on to uh for fornals goal so yeah he was unlucky to not get an assist in that game i felt he he was still a threat so yeah as a ben rama owner i will still you know hang on to him and i think uh, he's going to do a lot of good this season uh fornals again did really well got his goal three attacking returns in three games looks better uh this season than his last previous seasons but i still think if you're looking for a midfield asset from west ham united ben rama is a more you know tastier option uh, i just feel that he has that x factor in him and he's showing a lot of his form from his brentford days so yeah i'm i'm sticking on to ben rama uh speaking about palace again their results are getting better they have registered their first point uh under patrick vieira and again another 
Chelsea boy, Conor Gallagher, on the sheet, getting a brace, speaking about how big a fan he is of Frank Lampard. All of this is just music to my ears. You know, the way he took his goals, those, those that nimble feet arriving late in the box, being clinical in front of goal, it just, you know, reinforces my faith in a footballer uh, who I have really high regards for. And I, I genuinely want him to flourish, not for Chelsea's sake, even for Crystal Palace's sake. They don't have a lot going forward because, again, Zaha is somebody who is like an enigma. You know a goal is coming from him, but then you also know that he will blank uh, the, the two or three game weeks after. So, again, Conor Gallagher coming good is good for both teams. And I, I think he did very well in that game. And uh, he's gotten the confidence of scoring in the Premier League. So, he should only get better from here on. I think, uh, I mean, uh, Antonio has a pie, a pie stand called Antonio Humble Pies. And uh, this week, I got a sample of his pie. Um, I mean, I wasn't very sure about his motivation and confidence after he broke the record. Um, but the way he created that goal for Fornals, I mean, a player has to be at some other level of confidence to do that. He took the ball, he ran with it, a defender went with him. The defender was scared to close in, fearing that he's going to dribble. He paused. He paused, he looked at Fornals, he passed the ball. That just oozed so much confidence. And uh, I mean, that's why, I mean, for me, he's one player I'm bringing in immediately. I mean, though there are bigger players and bigger and you fish, should. though there are bigger fish to fry and, and bigger players to worry about, uh, that I am getting him in. In fact, I already have. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, again, I mean, fear of missing out, right? He's doing so well that how can you not look at it? Fear of missing out would be bringing in Ronaldo this week, but we'll get to that later in the pod. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, then. Let's speak about the next game, the big one this weekend. Liverpool versus Chelsea. A packed Anfield. As a Chelsea fan, you're always very anxious going into this game because Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp, it's a team with 11 machines, man. The way he's just drilled his, his tactics in that team, the way his team knows what to do and, and, and what to do when they have the ball, what to, what to do without the ball, they just look so efficient. And I think um, finishing last season on a high and coming third only reinforces my faith in the Liverpool team. And I, although they've not made any additions barring Ibrahim Akonate, who we are yet to see, they look very, very strong. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, we also spoke about this game uh, before uh, moving into the to the weekend, and we were doing like a small little preview between the two of us. And um, you were more confident of our chances, of Chelsea's chances, uh, and I was completely sure that we will not come out with more than a point. And uh, you know, had had I was pleasantly surprised being a Chelsea fan. I really liked our performance. Still, obviously, Reese James got red carded. And, uh, you know, consider that penalty. Um, I think we played pretty well. There was a game plan from Tuchel's boys. And uh, Kai Harvard's goal, although it was a looping header, no one saw it coming, uh, wasn't against the run of play. But we were posing enough threats uh, in the Liverpool half that um, you could sense something brewing there. And, and honestly, I wasn't surprised that he scored. But I honestly, when that header went in, 
my first thought was, was it Lukaku who headed in? Because Lukaku was a very peripheral figure uh, till that point. And um, yeah, I, I have big hopes from Romelu Lukaku. That's why I was cautiously optimistic that we will definitely not lose and we might come back uh, with a point, which is a very good point given the circumstance that it was a full Anfield after 18 months. It's a big deal. And we could manage to keep Anfield quiet for a big spell in the first half. And, and that's something I'm not used to seeing. So I, I thought it was a good game till the penalty. And uh, it changed drastically second half. Very proud of the effort the Chelsea defenders and the whole team put in. Uh, I've never seen Alonso defend the way he did. I've never seen Mason Mount and Kovacic and Jorginho put in a shift like they did in terms of defence. Mount gives it his all, uh, attacking-wise and tracking back. But all of them, all the midfielders, they, they gave it their all. I think they left everything on that pitch. And as yeah. a Chelsea fan, that makes me very, very proud of their performance. So, um, yeah, there was a good game, a good watch, a very nervous watch for me, in fact, in the last 45 minutes. But I'm glad we hung on. And, uh, yeah, speaking about inevitables, Mohamed Salah on the score sheet again. Great points for Mohamed Salah owners. Um, again, Lukaku blanked, but I think he looked very good. He could have easily scored. Trent Arnold could have done better. I feel that he had a lot of opportunities to, you know, affect the game in a more positive way, which Liverpool as a team failed. They could not capitalize uh, being the one man up uh, for 45 minutes. So, yeah, um, a little disappointed looking at that. But, yeah, personally, I'm very happy we came out with the draw. FPL-wise, I really would have preferred if this was uh, maybe a higher scoring game. I just want to add a few things to that. Um, I mean, uh, of course, I have at least a, I would want to have an entire pod on this match, but we can't do that. First thing which I was very disappointed with was uh, Liverpool trying the same thing again and again, again and again with the Chelsea defence. And uh, them failing repeatedly, but trying the same thing over and over. And the Chelsea defense is almost, I mean, if I was to use a comparison, it's become like an oak tree. It's a solid unit which moves together as a, as a single human being. And uh, the tactic of sending in crosses from the side into the center with an organized unit like Chelsea with tall aerial defenders as Chelsea has. I mean, Liverpool should have thought of some other way to maybe crack open the team. Uh, which into our hands which a makes, bit, didn't it? I won't say that because, uh, I mean, I would, I mean, I, I can't say that because uh, in the absence of any other technique being used, like something which one of the uh, commentators said post-match that, you know, like, somebody takes the ball to the byline and cuts back. Though there, were, there, were, there are many ways in which you can try and open up a defence. Like, I, I cannot imagine Man City up against a Chelsea team in a similar situation, not trying 10 different ways to open up the defence. I'm not saying they will succeed. I'm not saying that at all. But they will try multiple things. 
Um, I got a little excited when I saw that they Liverpool is trying to take shots from outside the box, but I think they made only three or four attempts, and even those attempts dried up pretty soon. So that was a little disappointing to watch because uh, I mean Liverpool should have made something more out of that match. Um, so, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I was on tenter hooks watching that game second half, and uh, Mendy made some good saves. That that you speak of. Uh, those long-range shots that Liverpool were taking. Uh, Mendy did make some good saves. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was a boring game at all. This is in our DNA. Being a solid defence is a, is a part of Chelsea's DNA. And that came to the fore after a long time. And I, although I was admittedly very nervous, I was also enjoying watching that. It was like a symphony. All, all the defenders and and the whole system defending in blocks and moving uh, just how a defence should. Like, they were very commanding. I was, again, very cautiously optimistic that we'll hang on to the to the draw. Yeah, I think symphony is the best uh, metaphor. Uh, they, they, they are so well-drilled. I'm loving watching the Chelsea team and what Tuchel has made out of it. It's, it's really fun to watch. Uh, so, next up, we have... Uh, Burnley leads 1-1. I I just love watching Leeds matches. I mean, they are just so good. They are just so good to watch. I mean, they make even Burnley an exciting team to watch when they're up against them. That's, I mean, that says something about the way Leeds plays. Um, And uh, the match was full of attack and the attack kept happening in waves. So one wave would come from Burnley, sustain itself. Then there would be another wave coming in from Leeds and then they would sustain themselves. And this there was almost like a wave after wave of uh, attack being alternated between both the sides. It was a very interesting uh, match to watch. Um, and it's very uh, strange that both the goals which went in were almost mirror images of each other. I mean, the positioning of the striker, the way they took the shot, the way the ball went in, it was almost like a mirror image of each other. Coming to FPL assets, I think Rafinha was trying to do a lot of things, but it wasn't his best day. Um, and I think uh, somewhere Leeds and Bielsa, Bielsa is a genius and he will figure it out. They need to do something about Rodrigo. I mean, he's he's go- he goes missing in a number 10 position. You cannot go missing if you are playing the number 10. You just cannot go missing. And Rodrigo goes missing. So... Let's see what happens to Rodrigo and what happens to the number 10 position. Maybe Pielsa will change his formation um, and go back to some other way of playing. Um, Bamford was in the right places at all the times. Again, he's got a great run of fixtures after starting game week five. And he would be he could be a great striker to have. And the way he's been playing, he's already on course to get the same returns which he had last season. So he might be able to match the returns as last season's, and which is very good, even for a eight million price tag, which is now seven point nine million. Um, would make life tough for the Leeds defense. So did Barnes, but I would stay away from the Burnley players right now. Overall, with Burnley, I feel that their USP was a very robust defense, and uh, that has got compromised. They are no longer that. And uh, I'm not getting a very good feeling about Burnley going forward. Anything you want to add uh, on this match? Yes. Um, 
you mentioned that uh, Bielsa, the genius that he is, he will figure out a way uh, for Rodrigo. Um, Rodrigo, as an ancillary, is not doing much, like you said. But now that they have Dan James, there is also a thought that uh, he might move Dan James to the left or right, which means Rafinha takes Rodrigo's spot and gets even more dangerous, right? I think playing behind Bamford will just take Rafinha's game to another level. So that's something that you need to look out for in terms of leads. I think that's something uh, that looks very, very interesting moving forward. So on paper, that sounds really interesting, but I don't think Rafinha has ever played an out-and-out 10 role. Uh, but I think he has all the makings to be a great number 10. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting if he takes up that spot. Next, we have Tottenham Hotspurs versus Watford, which was a 1-0 game. Uh, Kane should have had two goals in that game, but then it's August and it's very difficult for Kane to score when it's August. And uh, I think he was very unlucky. He should have gotten two returns. Uh, Delhi Ali continues to impress with his late runs into the box. Uh, he almost scored a goal in the second half. Um, Son was very unimpressive on the right-hand side. Even the goal he got was a very, very... Uh, I mean, it was a very, very shoddy goal. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, the credit goes to Bachman and not to Son for that goal. Uh, Dennis did not start as a, as a striker, uh, something which we had called out in our last pod. Uh, Josh King was the person we had called out and he was in the striker position. However, Dennis was on the left wing and he was quite effective on the left wing too. And he was constantly looking for uh, Josh King. He was looking for Saar. He was making good passes inside the box. So that was something I noticed about Dennis. Uh, Josh King started his first game, but he was holding up the ball more instead of taking chances. And if I remember right, I'm very sorry if I am wrong about this. Uh, apologies in advance. I think even in Bournemouth, he had more of a hold-up role between him and Callum Wilson when the two of them used to play together up top as two, uh, two strikers. So he's not exactly... He has his back to the goal a lot of times when he's receiving the ball. And he does enable a player like Saar going forward. Um, Saar was, one, in fact, one of the most advanced players. And if I remember right, he was the most advanced player in the Watford side and uh, he did get one good chance but I think that moving forward against the weaker teams uh, I think they have Wolves uh, Wolves is not exactly weak but then you don't know what they are I don't know what they are uh, they have Norwich and then they have I think uh, Newcastle if I remember right I'm not sure so they have and then they have Leeds and Leeds defence is not really at its best right now. So, Saar might be a decent punt for the next four game weeks. If you have him, please don't ship him out. Uh, keep him for the next four game weeks before you move him out. So, yeah, that's the, these are the things which I noticed in the Tottenham-Watford game. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this game, uh, Siddharth? 
I didn't get to watch all of it, but I did see uh, some parts of it, and um, I thought that Nuno Espirito Santo has had a very lucky start in the Premier League. Um, albeit, having said that, he does build his teams around his defense, and he's structurally a very uh, good manager when it comes to setting up a team. I just feel that. Um, all three results deceived to flatter and he could have easily drawn or lost any of those games moving forward i like the fact that kane is back in the fold and hopefully he's focused for tottenham's sake um i'm not the biggest fan of yuming son i just feel that now that he's priced at 10 million there's a lot more balance that you can achieve with a lot better attackers at a cheaper price so i'm definitely okay with not playing with human uh, son i also do not think that harry kane is someone i'm looking at to bring in immediately because how many goals are although they're winning there how many goals are they scoring it's just been one nil wins for them which is again built on their defense so yeah i'm not very excited about uh, tottenham prospects and uh, i'm i'm just going to not bother about getting any of their players in. Uh, having said that, a lot of people have uh, Eric Dyer, and he has put in a shift. He's gotten a he's, he's become a better defender under Nuno than he was under his previous managers, and that's uh, that's very telling because he he has played under Jose Mourinho. So yeah, kudos to him. He's also in the nominees for Player of the Month, and uh, yeah, rightly so. He's played very well. Um, yeah, so I I think overall. Uh, Watford did deserve to come out with something uh, from that game and they were unlucky not to. So yeah, I think we'll move on and let's discuss Wolves versus Manchester United. Um, another very frustrating watch and frustrating because there's all this attacking threat that Manchester United has and again, they don't look like a cohesive unit. I just, I just feel that they're very lopsided. Like, I don't like how uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has them playing football. Like He's winning them games, but they are more reliant on individual brilliance than you know, United playing as a team. Because I, I see a very broken performance. And why I say that is because look at how Mason Greenwood scores in the last two games. They have not been pure strikes. He's capable. He's a very good finisher. I'm a big fan of Mason Greenwood. And I just feel that, you know, Manchester United have gotten very lucky. And now that we know, let's, let's speak about the elephant in the room. Cristiano Ronaldo has come back in. And as you must have known, uh, he's a big fan of himself, like many of us. Um, I think that makes Bruno instead of Bru, yes. Because even last night in the friendly that they played, as they won the penalty, Bruno Fernandes goes, picks up the ball, runs straight to CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, the legend. And yeah, there you have it. He's on pens. And I don't see any reason why uh, on the Saturday when he's back playing his first game at Old Trafford after 9, 12 years, um, that he should not be on pens again. I mean, who really is going to take it away from him? Who's going to give him that news? I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will. 
so yeah uh, everything everybody will fall in line and uh, they will all hail the king so that again everybody is excited and united have such a huge fan base and they should be i would be if i was a united fan i am not being a united fan but again i i, I still feel that bruno has something to offer and let's see what kind of an impact he has because ronaldo being on pens takes away a good 7 8 9 goals away from from bruno fernandes so is he still worth it at 12.0 we don't know we'll see how he plays against newcastle i'm still going to stick by him um i think wolves deserve to get a goal uh, to get a point at least from that game and you know what's frustrating to watch about uh, wolves is that only if adama traore could finish adama bulldozer traore absolutely bulldozes to the team he's playing against and then just that bulldozer comes to a halt then he's about to score or provide an assist i don't know what what happens to him he just does not have that end product in him um jimenez again with time i think he'll get better very good with his link up but the one player that really took me by surprise and you know got me really excited was trinkao the boy from barcelona he looks good nimble feet dribbles past a lot of players and before they they conceded the goal in the 80th minute there were three good clear cut chances that trinkao could have scored off and i really wish he taken those chances because that's the kind of impetus this wolves team needs they 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 are the exact opposite of uh, tottenham hotspur three zero one losses to them and it's harsh man it's really harsh because they they play some good football and they're also very good defensively which a lot of people did not think they would be they, everybody said that you know so after nuno bruno lage is a very attacking manager and they, that might lead to him uh, you know to that might lead to wolves conceding a lot of goals and surprisingly that hasn't happened they only lost 1-0 in all their games and games that they could have won or at least gotten a draw out of so yeah that there's a lot good going on at wolverhampton wanderers and um, again very very uh, disheartening to see them lose the way they did so yeah that's that's about it what what do you have to add to this game i mean i i completely resonate um your feelings and yeah it's just been a little i think wolves has been a little unlucky um however in all past seasons uh, traore has always been able to match his xg he's had an extremely high xg going in um and i have a feeling that when he goes off he'll go off crazy but he'll become a trap he'll be the kind of player he he will almost be a you know the kind of player that barkley used to be that when he goes off suddenly he becomes a bandwagon and when everyone is on the bandwagon he stops scoring so i see that risk with a traore kind of a player uh, that he will return he will have massive holes and he'll become a trap trinkao is someone who's i mean who's really fun to watch uh, but with huang hi chan huang hi han i'm forgetting his surname with him coming in from uh, uh, coming in from Leipzig, Salzburg, I think, and with Odens back to fitness, I have a feeling that Bruno Lage, he started the season with 
keeping in mind the strengths of wolves which is a back three uh, style of play and he might eventually transition to a 442 and that will be interesting to see whether wolves are just as defensively solid if and when he does that that's a good point that's actually a very good point um the other good point speaking about defensively solid is that uh, shaw owners must be happy that united finally got a clean sheet right i mean thank you david dehaya massive save to keep them in the game and finally he's gotten a defensive return uh, and i think moving forward that will that will be a regular occurrence when it comes to manchester united because uh, with ronaldo although they might want to always attack and people will you know worry so much about him that they will not maybe forget attacking them in return so that's one thing that i i want to look forward to um mason greenwood is another guy i want to mention again what a goal scorer he is even though he didn't take clean shots he he still manages with goals i mean I, i'm a big fan of his man i just can't stop praising him he's fantastic um one last thing about this game i also thought that pogba is wasted when he's playing deep he looked bored like when watching that game i felt like he the game was too slow for him he felt wasted and he knew that he was wasted in that position he he's just a complete waste and and you know had he played further up i think united would have had a better, better game and better chances at scoring more goals right so he's as good uh, as bruno fernandes when it comes to creating chances and he did find bruno a couple of times again uh, once he bruno was offside and the other time they just scuffed their chance so yeah bruno uh, paul pogba is somebody that you know really frustrates me and then the way uh, ole gunnar solskjaer is using him uh, frustrates me a lot so this is all what we have for you guys from the review of the past game week moving on to our next section which is hop on hop off uh, we'll start with hop on just players who you could possibly plan to bring in and teams which you should be focusing on so first i think again uh the first three games are not the end of the season and arsenal defense might be something worth looking at going forward pate will be back ben white will be back they are up against a string of bottom half teams and they might start keeping clean sheets so that's something to keep in mind saka and pepe maybe you might want to wait a little bit even emil smith rowe odegaard you might want to wait a little bit before you bring them in but they could also become decent options going forward and uh, they are all fairly cheap i mean the most expensive of them all is pepe at 7.3 7.4 and saka is 5.9 emil smithro odegaard both of them are at 5.5 so these are fairly good uh, prices and they could be again enablers who help you funnel your money somewhere else yeah i feel there's there's two ways to look at it i just feel that um given the kind of start they've had arteta is somebody who could get the boot unlikely but he could and then all of a sudden you have a new manager you have a new manager bounce who will also get to you know take advantage of their very easy fixture list and uh, and keeping that in mind 
even if arteta does not go even if they you know they stick by him what can you fix first is your defense so it, that's an easier thing to work on okay when you don't have any points on the board even your nil nil draws or something they'll at least start getting those points in right and then taking you higher up rise up the echelons of the the, the table so what you fix first is your defense and i'm glad that you mentioned this a couple of times already that ben white needs to be persistent with attacking wise i i again i will i'm going to look past all uh, arsenal assets for now speaking about attack i want to talk about the leeds attack rafinha might miss out but how good is bamford and surprisingly he's also gone down in price why why are people like ignoring him why are they not talking about patrick bamford as much this season i think there are just more uh, immediate returns to be had from the likes of dominic calvertlewin and uh, antonio and this is something which i've seen across all seasons of playing fpl is that the starting in the beginning the games are very volatile uh, because most of the people who are not committed to the games they start making a lot of knee jerk reactions there's a lot of point chasing which happens in volumes in the start of the season and uh, i think that's why bamford's price has gone down and uh, yeah i think he i mean starting game week 5 he's just a crazy asset to own and do you uh, think he is he someone you should look uh, at if you're looking to ship out danny ings if you already have antonio i think bamford might be a better call than dominic calvertlewin that's exactly what i wanted to know so great let's let's also talk about uh, the manchester city manchester city defense is that one train you want to hop on to you might be early on the train and you might benefit by virtue of being by getting on to it early on um, i mean what player diaz, specifically would you look at diaz is the player which comes to mind and uh, i had this feeling that diaz might be rotated uh, but then i was looking at the fixture congestion last season i think that his rotation was subject to the high volume of games which were being played because of the way the fixtures were laid out last season this season i don't think he will be rotated he might have a perma stay within the defensive line so diaz is one player to watch out he's also so are you saying he's he's uh, uh, he's uh, going to defy pep roulette i mean there is no reason to move around and uh, tinker around with that spot because diaz is also the leader which man city needs in the back line so he is doing much more than just being a defensive unit person so he's a leader and uh, he is required for man city so i think he his position is uh, i would fairly say safe, it's right? fairly very safe i would Go as far as to say very safe. Okay, that's great. Uh, speaking about leaders, uh, let's speak about one train that you've hopped onto, Mikhail Antonio. I was looking at. I mean, it's just crazy. If you look at the chances created stats, if you look at the shots on target stats, if you look at non-penalty xG, if you look at xG with penalties, if you look at number of shots taken inside the box, Antonio is in the top three. across all parameters across all positions and if he is returning which he is and he is showing the underlying stats please get on to him and i also read an interview by him which he gave quite recently was that 
he very confesses he admits that he did never took care of his diet and he's become very conscious about his diet because he believes that that is what led to his injuries in the past and he feels that with a change in diet his injuries will go down i mean if that's the case then antonio wow. might have a very mad season wow very wow. very I'm, I'm, that 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 sounds very very interesting because a fit antonio is a scary scary thought and definitely want to be on that train what do you think of uh, demari gray and gallagher the 5.5 beauties gray has shown a lot of potential gallagher i just feel uh, that the fixtures are not in crystal palace's favor right now but i mean yeah if you're playing draft fpl then gallagher might be a great call to have or if you're again if you're falling short of that 0.1 million then gallagher might be a good call compared to gray but yeah i just i'm a little concerned about his fixtures moving forward because they are very tough i think up till game week 10 they have really tough fixtures so let's see and but having said that i having said that i also have a feeling that uh, gallagher might turn out to be the talisman for crystal palace i won't be surprised if from zaha the mantle of being the talisman moves to gallagher i really won't be surprised with what i've seen as so a, far as a chelsea fan I'm all on for that, man. I I really can't wait to see him propel. Um, speaking yeah. about uh, talismans, Ismail Assar is the Watford talisman, right? And uh, with his run of fixtures, how how interesting does he get? I mean, there's not much to talk about that. I think we already covered it uh, when we were talking about Watford. And yes, if you have him, please don't move him out. Please don't ship him out. If you are playing the wild card, you will be very tempted to ship him, ship him out because you will try to get all the fancy new shiny toys in the market. Please keep Ismail Assar if you have him. If you are playing the wild card, please keep Ismail Assar at least for the next four game weeks. If you are planning to bring in Ronaldo, if you are planning to bring in Lukaku by downgrading Bruno, please consider Ismail Assar. All right then. The other. shiny new toy when it comes to strikers albeit not so new and i see a big fan emerge in you what do you want to say about ferran torres i think i became a fan after i read sam lee's article on the athletic uh, very insightful very, very insightful article and um, he spoke about the way uh, torres has been training to impress pep he's been training to be the striker which pep expects his strikers to be and that is something very heartening to know and uh, i mean uh, at 7.1 that's a very very tasty spot to have uh, i just and what better compliment own. to pay a striker than to to call his movement uh, wardy like yeah 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 and that too for somebody who's just about started off playing an out and out striker he hardly has any minutes as an out and out striker i and my only concern uh, going ahead with chelsea is that i am not sure whether he will be able to become a talismanic striker and when i say talismanic um, striker you mean i mean manchester city manchester city yeah i mean manchester city sorry for that i i think uh, the goals might be divided even in a 2-1 in or rather at a time when city goes on to score two three four goals i'm not sure how many goals will go to torres so that's one concern which i have about him but yeah he might be someone you can just have an 
set and forget in your team. Of course, the caveat being you need a decent bench for those random days when he won't start. So that's 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 my those are my only concerns with Torres. And uh, talking about traps, I think uh, a lot of people are talking about the Wolves' defense. A lot of people are talking about uh, the inevitability of Traore going off. Even I mentioned that Jimenez getting back in form, Trincao looking exciting. We both touched upon that. I just feel it might be a trap, especially the defense. I want to see Bruno Large persist with a back three against the weaker teams before I pass my verdict on that. And I think there's no harm in waiting. And uh, I think th- I mean th- that's that's the problem of playing a wild card at this juncture. There is hardly any information. You don't know what formation is going to be played by managers against weaker teams, stronger teams, mid teams consistently. You don't know where the new players are going to come in, how that is going to impact the way the team plays. You don't know where the chances are going to come from. You don't know where who what's going to happen. I mean, so many things are up in the air and. Exactly. Anyone who's playing a anyone playing a wild card right now would definitely be thinking about Semedo and bringing Semedo in. Might be thinking about Trincao. Might be thinking about uh, Traore. I I just feel there's so little information right now. There's such little information. And with all this uncertainty, add to the fact that we still live in coronavirus times, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll be better off uh, keeping your wild card for a little later. Um, let's hop off a few trains. What do you say? What do you think about the yeah. Brighton double defense in Weltman and Duffy? You spoke about that earlier while you were covering Brighton's game. Is there anything else you want to add on that? I think the double defense is also because of a lot of people having Sanchez. And uh, then a lot of people have brought in Duffy because of the haul he had. Uh, which has ended up in a double defence for them. A lot of people had Weltman right from the beginning of the season. And I think it's it might be time to reconsider those options because people had... Never forget why people, you brought in Weltman in the first place. You brought in Weltman because you thought Tariq Lamte is going to be injured for a very, very, very long time. There are very positive news coming in about his recovery. So keep an eye out for that. And... Uh, Potter loves to rotate, uh, so be careful. Weltman did commit a big mistake, which led to a penalty. Duffy did commit an error, which led to great being able to score that goal. So these are things which need to be kept in mind. Uh, Potter is also the kind of guy who has no qualms in making an out-and-out number 10 or a right-winger like Gross come back and play as a wing-back. So... I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a, lot, a lot to keep in mind. A lot to keep in mind. Um, you know, you, you say, you've spoken about Demari Gray scoring that goal and uh, Bachman made an error, could have scored, uh, could have, uh, sorry, could have saved uh, Jung Min Son's free kick. I also felt that uh, Sanchez could have easily saved that goal that Demari Gray scored. I think it was a very soft goal. It was a very soft strike in my opinion. Um, yeah, let's also hop off the sea of red that we see in front of Aston Villa. What do you say? Immediately, with immediate effect. Um, yep. And when you and one thing which I would like to tell all the listeners is that when you hop off, then please don't turn around and see how many points are they getting. It's only going to spoil your game. All right, then. I think we've covered everything. And um, we spoke a little bit about a certain Cristiano Ronaldo 
what are your thoughts i don't know i mean there's there's so much to speak that now i'm feeling that maybe we should do it in our next spot what do you say because we covered <laughs> so much already well, that's yeah. a, that's a great call that's a great call we yeah. have uh, all of next week and uh, so much to discuss about him um yeah i think that's a great idea let's 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 do that let's delve into the enigma that is cristiano ronaldo and uh, let's speak about him in our next spot i think that's going to be exciting you have it ladies and gents it's time to call it a day and uh, thank you for being uh, for all the love that you've shown us and you know being uh, the supporters that you are so yeah that's all we have for you guys today if you've enjoyed listening to our pod then please press the subscribe button get notified each time we release an episode uh, the follow button on spotify and also um, share it on your socials show us some love and most importantly do not forget your greens